This episode of Baccio Death Trip at some points contains themes regarding child abuse. A trigger warning is in effect. We've reached 25 episodes. That's quite a lot. I honestly thought that we'd be done after 10 or we'd be bored and do something else. Not so much big rigs, just my own inability to pay attention or concentrate on things. But for such a monumental occasion for the pair of us, it only seems fitting that we pay homage to one of the albums, much like Glassjaw, that united both me and Reese. It cemented our friendship. It gave us the benchmark of just how random and weird at times, and eclectic I think is the pretentious word to use, our musical tastes are, and probably always will be. We're going to be talking about 1999's debut from a little band called Static X. And if you haven't caught on by now why we've called this podcast Baccio Death Trip, it's because that album happens to be called Wisconsin Death Trip. Now, I'm recording this intro after the podcast and... I could be really clever and say I knew all of this stuff all along, but I've borrowed from Reese quite a lot. The limited availability of this album made it not a collector's per se uh, item, but it definitely demonstrated that sometimes a live act can do wonders for a record rather than a record doing wonders for a live act. From what Reese was telling me, Warner Brothers only released a limited number. Not a limited number like, oh, you know, we're going to do a run of a thousand, but we're going to do a run of three thousand black vinyl. No, 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 nothing like that at all. Warner Brothers' idea was that they would see how the band did on the road and from there on in see if it was a worthwhile investment. So, as you'll hear, There are moments when I went to a record store and I couldn't pick it up, despite the fact that Static X had played in the big town where I lived near. And it is pretty much a testament to the energy that album had. It was incredible. The things I learned from Reese regarding this album are things I didn't know about as well. So sit back, relax, grab your shovel, Sorry, Reese, you're going to have to edit around this introduction and enjoy the 25th episode of an album that both me and Reese love with all of our hearts. Static X's Wisconsin Death Trip. Where was I when this first came out? I was in college, as you probably guessed through most of the episodes. Uh, Static X seemed like a bit of a slow burn. It didn't exactly come out and blow everyone away. It's what we would term, I would say, a sleeper hit. It was a grower, not a shower. It was fueled by these fantastic, groovy, uh, death disco, disco sucks beats, along with I'm With Stupid, uh, Bled For Days, you know, just a whole bunch of really, really great tracks. Led by Wayne Static, with his incomparable hair uh, i mean everyone's seen what st- uh, what wayne static's hair looks like um, when they dropped push it it was incredible when everyone turned around and said i grabbed my shovel it was incredible and reese how on earth did we end up many years ago discovering our appreciation for a band which sometimes just gets viewed upon as a bit of a joke Happy birthday, man. Happy 25th episode birthday. It's fantastic. You know, we're above legal drinking age in America. Yeah, man, we've hit 25. That's amazing. I do just want to correct you on one thing. I did discover in my research that when Static X released Wisconsin Death Trip, Warner Brothers had no idea what to do with it. They were like, fuck, where does this belong? And so they only released like something like 7,500 copies and they sold within a day or two. Like they were gone. They were just gone. So now they're like, we need to print way more of this. This is fucking buzzing. And they were one of the bands, apparently, where people would go and see them and be like, we need to buy the record. 
and that vice versa where it's like they hear the record and they go, we need to see this live. And that's what you want. Like that's the that's the cash cow of money and sadly it's probably something that no longer happens nearly as much, you know? Yeah, I remember when I was at college and I discovered Static X. Again, it was through that fantastic medium of band T-shirts. So someone evidently went to see them play live in, in the big city uh, picked up one of the hoodies from the merch table, came back, and I was like, "Oh, that that's a really cool." I mean, like that the album artwork itself is awesome because it's based on the whole 1973 Michael Lesy book called Wisconsin Death Trip. The artwork took me away, and then I ended up jumping on Soulseek or would have been LimeWire because I'm not Flash. I down and looked up Static X and downloaded "I'm with Stupid." I was just absolutely hooked. So I went to the local record store, R&K Records, and went, oh, have you got that Static X album? Oh, no, we sold out. We don't know when we're going to get it back in. So perhaps Warner Brothers not knowing what to do with it helped foster that critical mass, which led to everybody going, oh, my God, I need to grab this album. Oh, my God, I need to grab this album. Because they didn't have any issues putting out Machine. I mean that static x album but yeah it was just maybe happenstance dictates that because there was a limited run of those cds that that's one of the reasons why it blew up and it's a fucking fantastic album as well it's absolutely groovy and it did feel like a lot of the time that band didn't take themselves too seriously and i think maybe it was around the time that New Metal Acts were starting to get a little bit too serious, you know, like, yeah, you know, we're great, we're amazing, we're, you know, we're voices of our generation, to paraphrase Kanye West. A generation! And uh, it just felt with Static X, it was like, yeah, we, we, we just make dumb stuff, like, you know, say no to disco, death disco. Evil evil disco was the yeah, catch cry. Yeah. All of that stuff, you know. I think that's maybe part of the charm of it as well, because you got a band that absolutely slaps. They're they're heavy, but there's that kind of white zombie groove element to it that had that crossover appear where people who aren't into new metal were nodding along with it. But at the same time, you also had the band themselves like, you know, we were just having fun. It was a record that sounded like it was a lot of fun to make. I could be wrong. But it's definitely an album also that's very fun to listen to from from fucking top to bottom, from Love Dump, all of that stuff, Sweat of the Bud. It's just an absolutely fun album to listen to. I absolutely love this album. And there was a time where I probably thought it was funny and meme worthy, but re-listening to it in the last sort of 10 years, I'm like, this album holds up so well. I'm really getting into it this for the last week for this podcast in preparation, you know. I'm absolutely in love with it. And Wayne Static seems to me, from all the interviews I watched and all that sort of stuff, some of those like weird dudes that you meet on the road. So when you're touring in a band, I'm sure you've seen this before, you go to these smaller towns and you just meet these weirdos who've sort of like eked out a little community of other weirdos and you're just like, oh, this rules. Like they don't care about what else is happening in the town. They're their own sort of center of fun. And then when you leave those towns and you think about them a few years later, they're like, I wonder what they're doing now. You know, they were building their own pedals. Like there was some guys I met, you know, who would put guitar pedals into the guitar and wire all this shit together and have like picks that were on fans and they'd make music. And this just these general weirdos who I just – really enjoying what they're doing, not there to be seen. Then you go to the the capital cities and the bands are much more aware of the media, who's at the show, who isn't at the show, who's on the list, who wants to be on the list, who's trying to get backstage, you know, who the band played with recently, who their producer, they're way more aware, they're hyper vigilant of what's going on around them, so much so that they get sucked up their own arsehole, whereas Wayne Static and that Static X crew seem to just be having fun and trying to entertain themselves but make something that... Wayne often said that he wanted it to be like a mosh pit at the front and a rave at the back. Yeah. People, men moshing at the front and women dancing at the back. And that, that really comes through. And his last words before, sadly, he, you know, his untimely death, his last words were incredible. Do you know what they were? No, I, I, I don't, I'm afraid. So he said, so thank you to all my fans for sticking by me. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing till I'm dead. 
that was in the last interview he did. I'm not. I should have a you know a reference for that, but that's what it was. He was surprised he was still making a living from music, but he was grateful to the fans, and that's that seems to come across. You know, playing those small shows, being a tour, a road dog. I think they played like 300 shows in 365 days. They were out there to do it and to enjoy it. Now, linking that back to your initial question, yeah, how did we bond over this? It's because you're one of those weird dudes that I meet. I met on the road. On the road. I'm, I am that weird guy. And then your crew is like, oh, these people are really fun and friendly and great. And they're just doing their own thing. And it seems really fun. They're motivated. They're energetic. I love that. But I also have a real tendency. And whether it's Australian, whether whether it's my hyperactive adre- adrenaline gland, whether it's my need for attention, whatever it may be, I do just like to throw shit at the wall straight away to see what sticks. Like it's a little, I don't like to ease in. I just go straight in. Like here's who I am. Can you vibe with this or not? If you can't, all right, no worries. I'll tone it down a little bit, but I'll probably find somewhere else to hang out and talk shit. But I think I threw a reference out there and you ran with it straight away. And I was like, oh my God, in 12 years, we are going to start the world's best podcast. And here we are on our 25th episode. I mean, we the initial kind of bond was over Glassjaw. Uh, I mean, we're on the 25th episode now. I think we can give away some of the cards that we've been holding close to our chest, right? I don't know what you're talking about, and I'm, I've never been more nervous in my life. Fan service. It's it's called fan service, isn't it? So, Baccio Death Trip obviously lends itself to Wisconsin Death Trip, and it was... If it was Glassjaw that kind of brought me and Reese together, it was Static X that's held up that kind of... Um, the, the friendship, the relationship that we have. And the whole Baccio side of things is that Reese and I met in a... It felt like a fucking stripper's bar, to be honest with you, man. It was like one of those weird bars in Auckland uh, on K Road where you'd go in and the, the, the stage was there and there was a DJ booth that looked like it was hardly used and then there was the... A drinks island? It, honestly, I felt like I was walking into the set of The Sopranos or some shit like that. And uh, it was called Baccio. And then I ended up rocking some glass jaw. And then Reese came up and was like, oh my god, you're playing glass jaw. And then because I interviewed Reese earlier uh, in the month, then it all clicked. And then we had... Then you fucked off to another country and did your thing. And then I started up the record label and then you shot me some shit through uh which was which was really good that you were doing and we were like well do you want to come over and tour and you had the, you've still had the best mindset when it comes to doing first time tours i want cold hard cash up front i learned the hard way motherfucker no but in all seriousness you had the the best kind of idea and it, it kind of plays into Wayne Static's idea about um going on the road and seeing what happens and, and where it evolves from there. Only a, a bit more expensive on this occasion. Uh, your idea was that don't go thinking you're going to make tons of money. Treat it like a holiday that you just so happen to be playing shows with as well, which I think is still one of the best mindsets for like first-time bands that are going on tour. Because if, if you're going on tour and expecting, yeah, I'm going to make a ton of money, like we've got guarantees and everything like that, Shit always comes up, doesn't it, man? Shit always comes up that you don't really account for. Like, yes. fuck, our van broke down. That's going to cost money. Or, yeah, uh, it's actually rather expensive to eat here, you know? Oh, my Seven Dust headset broke. How am I going to sing Angel's Son on the beach? <laughs> man can't live on peanut butter sandwiches alone. I should know. So, yeah, it was it was the, the best mindset to have was just to... Treat it as a bit of a, a, a like a working holiday, quote unquote, and, and just have fun with it. And fucking hell, watching you guys tour New Zealand was a lot of fun. I didn't get a chance to go down to the South Island with you guys with bloody hot rods, killers, Kilroys, <laughs> you know. But it also seemed that, with all due respect, and I mean this from a place of love, we were the we were misfits, man. We were weirdos, Muzai Records, you know. We were we weren't exactly like prim and polished. We were kind of still sat in our own lounge, cutting things out, putting things together, uh, bits and pieces like that. And, and I think for me, it felt like you like gravitated towards that because you could see that. 
they ain't got a whole bunch of money, but they got a whole bunch of heart. And and these are people that like the kind of stuff that that's coming out. It's it's that community that I think is sometimes missing. Which is, I think, what you're getting at with the whole Wayne Static comment about how he was a weirdo around a group of weirdos, and then it just so happened that with the label, with you coming over and touring, we were kind of like a, a weirdos is, an, is a harsh term. I'm sure Tom's not going to be happy with that, but again, big dumb stupid fuck. That's what I call him. <laughs> weirdo would be a step up for him. Fuckheads, we were fuckheads, man. You know, but it was it was an absolute blast watching you guys play. Uh, uh, God, this is the state of um, housing in New Zealand. And this is a good 10 years ago. You guys played a gig where people lived that was once a brothel. or No, sorry. So my lawyers have told me massage parlor. I remember rocking into someone's bedroom and they had a fucking bathtub in the corner. And someone got bit by a centipede and it got infected. I didn't even know <laughs> centipedes... But, but yeah, it was just a real rough shot, ragged, but it was a lot of fun. And so one night we were just on the chill, having a few drinks. I picked up an acoustic guitar. I think we were just talking about stuff and I dropped Dita and then started playing a Static X riff just absentmindedly. No, I, I made a joke and you said, oh, I think the riff goes like this and you figured it out. And I'm yeah. not a riff boy. Like everyone who knows me goes, we don't know much about him. He's a bit of a, an enigma, but... We know he's not a riff boy. He's a chord boy. He loves a C to A minor. He doesn't mind an F chord. Not a power chord guy. Not a, no. Not much of a bar chord guy. No. But definitely not a riff boy. And so watching you figure that out, it took you probably 0. 0.007 seconds, uh, James Bond style. And then watching your fingers, you were just going 0, 0, 0, 0, 0001. And I was like, genius. What an absolute <laughs> genius. How has he done this by ear? It's called the Godbouse to Math method at one stage in Auckland. It's like you drop deer and, yeah, you push it, you push it. Um, I also had a copy of a vinyl that your act released at the time signed uh, by Wayne Static, which was amazing, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. When people ask me to sign stuff, I'd always sign it to someone Yeah, different. yeah, yeah. It's like, dear Benji, uh Go grab my shovel, Wayne Static. And I was like, that's even better than just Reese Big Rigs Malone. You know, it's even better than that. <laughs> so, Big Rigs Malone. So, like, it. Static X and Glassjaw, we are indebted to them both. There was an old guy. Sorry, when I say old guy, he was about five years older. But that is a lot when you're you're 20. And when I was 20 years old, I was playing. No, sorry, I was 19 or something, playing in a band. And he came to, to a show to see us. And there was a fair crowd there. And he's like... Wow, this this is really cool. I'm really into these guys. I want to go talk to them, but first I'm going to go see who they talk to after the set because there was a kind of a mix of a crowd. And he goes straight after your set, you packed up and you went straight to the corner to talk to a bunch of fucking weirdos. And he's like, "All right, I know they're, they're semi decent people, you know, semi charm kind of life over there. They're not talking to all the 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 pretty people. The people seem to have it together. The people with as was the style at the time, onions on their belt, salmon shirt, collars up, you know." And that apple bottom jeans or whatever it was called. So, bell bottom. Uh, yeah, he um boot, boot cut, boot cut. Whatever that Flo Rider song was. So he was like, oh, "Well, God. you know, they're talking to my weirdos. They're talking to some weirdos. I'm going to go talk to them." And he's still a lifelong friend. I was messaging him just before this album. Just holds up so 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 well. I think I can still listen to this from go to woe, and it's got this really interesting thing that I think comes from writing to a drum machine, which I do encourage any songwriter to write to. I think because it takes, how do I put this? It takes the, the almost the human element out of it in that if you're dr jamming with someone else, they get bored, they start adding fills, they keep fucking around. You start to be like, oh, is this, is this any good? Are they bored? Oh, what do I do? You can sit with an idea for fucking 48 minutes. And then, you know, go, actually, I want to put seven more hours into this. And it's fine because the drum machine doesn't get bored. It also doesn't start fucking adding in fills or doing blast beats or getting tendonitis or whatever it may, may be. It's basically tantric masturbation is what it is. It's Sting with a box of Kleenex and that's what you want. And you can hear Wayne Static goes in to this album with a very, very clear idea. And I fucking hate it. I still hate it jamming with people. If people invited me for a jam, I was like, do you have some ideas? 
it, I don't need like fleshed out ideas, but just some basic ideas because there's nothing worse than just being like, oh, we'll just see where it goes. Nah, because it goes into Mogwai Fear Satan every fucking time and it's bullshit. So let's just come in with some solid ideas, tick some boxes and have a bit of a goal and then get the fuck out. And I think this album really benefits from that. This is Wayne's idea and it seems to be organically refined. And what I mean by that is it's focused and it has a purpose, but there's some, there's some flaws in there and there's some DIY attitude. Like, do you know how they recorded the drums for this album? No, 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 go for it, man. That you're, you're the drum guy. It's all yours, dude. So it's really cool. So they wanted to have sort of triggers. So they went and bought microphones from like Radio Shack or whatever, taped them to some plywood, stuck them on the toms, they hit that, then they put that into some sort of MIDI thing, time-coded it, put it up. Replace yeah. those triggers with, with, and they had like three snares sort of on rotation, three snare sounds. So even when they did a drum roll, it would often be snares. So you're kind of satisfying the human element of the brain who's like, I just want to go around this kit, but also it sounds really, really good. And later, we're going to talk about Orgy Candy Ass. Yeah. And their drum feels kind of a very like staggered, and there's a bit of staccato in there. So it, it breaks up, gives that industrial feel. But this this album, Wisconsin Death Trip, sounds more futuristic, um, futuristic, a really good mix of industrial but human as well so once they had all that stuff down then they took the drum kit into the room and recorded just the cymbals and the hi-hats with nothing else but they played the drum sound with all the triggers into the room so it got fed into the the room the room mics picked it up so that's what brings it that liveliness of like oh my god this sounds like is this a drum machine is it a person what is it what's well, got it's both that's fucking genius. Then they had all the MIDI sequences stuff. But yeah, that is what makes this album really, really, really incredibly beautifully sounding. And the best thing about, like, it's got some real shoegaze elements and it's probably much more of an influence on my guitar playing and songwriting than I, than I realized. Because listening back, I'm like, I definitely stole that idea. Love Dump, I definitely ripped off. Not the lyrics, um, but definitely even sort of the structure of it. But with shoegaze, you often hear those sort of incidental notes where like it's a delay pedal feeding into itself or a loop sort of building upon itself and you're like did they mean this is it a happy accident is this all orchestrated is this even happening or is my brain kind of filling in the gaps like sort of like listening to a hollow sync recording on youtube you know the the frequency of the brain waves and you start to hallucinate what's going on here and it takes you kind of out of the moment and lifts you above it a little bit which is fucking rare for an industrial new metal album in 1999 when it was released. It was recorded in 1998. It fucking rules. It fucking rules. God damn it. <laughs> That's it. Podcast over. Completely over. You know why it fucking rules as well? Because it was recorded at the same space where my guys, the Foo Fighters, recorded the colour and the shape. So if any fucking studio is going to know how to mess about with drums and everything like that, it's going to be that place because that was the album that basically broke up the initial kind of Foo Fighters lineup when uh, William Goldsmith got told, no, your drumming's not good, just be a tour drummer. And if you've watched the Foo Fighters back and forth documentary, you'll realise that that was always a massive point of contention. But yeah, I mean, just the the perfection of how the samples were used as well, the kind of almost white zombie, Rob Zombie-esque nods to kind of popular culture. You know, if it's like taking samples from Planet of the Apes, if it's taking samples from uh, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bowlerama, which was used, uh, you know, at the end of I'm With Stupid. Um, they even borrowed from Begotten, which is an art house experimental flick, uh, which everybody seems to use as well. It's almost like Begotten is that movie that people go, oh, yeah, I'm going to look real cool and go, hey, man, have you watched Begotten? Yeah, man, it's really artsy. It's like e everyone knows Begotten because everyone borrows from Begotten because everybody thinks no one's heard of it. You know? I can't wait for you to hear my new industrial track that samples nothing but Little Nicky. It's fucking oh. fire, pure fire. Well, hold on. I, I I do believe that there is a track that you have created, which one can find on the Batcho Death Trip SoundCloud, which is you doing a mashup, DJ Big Rigs, the Big Rig mashup, the Big Rig Jackknife. 
which is Wayne Static X Elton John. So after this podcast, go and help yourself to a little bit of that. If you haven't already from our bonus episode that we put out not too long ago as well. Um, at, at times it seems like the samples accidentally land on the yeah, record as that's well. That's what's with that incidental sort of stuff. Which then, you know, lends itself to, like you said, it's that kind of techno organic nature, which is a phrase I always love using, you know. It's 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 maybe perhaps the reason why I enjoy Static X so much is also the same reason I enjoy Fear Factory. It's not that far of a stretch. Especially the Fear Fa- especially D Manufacture, you know, which which we've done about we've done a podcast about because it mixes that organic kind of aspect with that uh with the samples and stuff like that oh we we fucking love this album and it had the most definitive static x lineup as well which was wayne static tony campos ken j drumming and uh one of the reasons why i got into it as well koichi fakuda who helped with the programming and then they released the next album and then they decided to rope in, eh, which we kind of maybe have to talk about in terms of Static X history. Uh, Trip Eisen? Yeah, sad- sadly we do. That's a thing from our friend Connor, who we're going to hear from a bit later. But he- we- we've got to talk about it. Look, twice convicted sex offender, and there is an amazing quote from Easel Dope. Can I read a little bit of it for you? You can read the whole thing. I just love, I love anytime someone responds to something and it's not legal talk. It's not trying to sort of both sides this shit, especially when you have someone who is a convicted sex offender. So I don't know what Tripp was doing. I think he was trying to say he was friends with Wayne still or whatever. I, I'm not sure of the context, but how good is this for a statement? And, and I one day hope to release a statement that starts the exact same way. This is verbatim, might we add. This is word for word what what Easel Dope has said. Fuck you, you two-time convicted sex offender piece of shit. Keep my name out of your talentless mouth. I fired you 20 years ago because you are an egotistical, low-talent idiot, and Static X fired you more than 15 years ago because you were a 40-year-old creep who was arrested for having sexual relations with multiple 14-year-old fangirls. Deplorable. You have not progressed in the least bit, not even after spending two separate stints in jail. You are an antagonist who paints himself as the victim. Boo-hoo and fuck you. Doesn't finish there. Meanwhile, you've never even apologized to our metal community for betraying all of our trust by preying on young, impressionable fangirls for your own selfish perversions. And now, you are trying to attach your name to an incredibly well-orchestrated memorial slash tribute that you had absolutely nothing to do with? Get the fuck out of here. For your information, Wayne and I had very pointed discussions about you while on tour together in 2014, so I know exactly how he felt about you. Wayne fucking hated you, and he had no interest in ever associating with you again. You've been begging for people to pay attention to you and your new band for three years, attempting to tie yourself to virtually everything Static X or Dope does. Hashtagging dope, Static X, and the murder dolls in virtually every post. After all of that, you have managed to gather roughly 1,000 followers in total. Can you read the next part, Benji? LOL, OL, 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 OL. It's over, dummy. You will always be known as the 40 year old creepy guy with Lee Press on dreads who targeted underage fangirls for sex. This is not my opinion. This is a fact and it is public record. Charges were filed against you in two separate states for kidnapping, endangering the welfare of a child, aggravated sexual assault, and luring to entice a minor through the internet. You were arrested and sentenced. Game over. I hope that ICP and all the jugglers across the world are reading this and remember who you are, what you did, and why you've ended up crying on the sidelines. I'm so down with the clowns, and I hope the jugglers are listening. It's all dope. Yeah, that wow. is how you deal with someone who is a twice convicted sex offender saying, trying to hitch themselves to your wagon. You don't often hear, though, about Wayne Static having too much of a beef with people. But then in one of his last interviews, when Revolver asked if there was going to be any new Static X music, you got an indication that there was a bit of a beef between Wayne and Tony, don't you? Uh, and I'm going to quote here the what was said uh, by Wayne. Ask Tony, Tony Campos, 
It's all Tony. He's the one who broke up the band and he's the one who dislikes me. I've offered to make amends and he told me to fuck off, so ask him. But I wrote all the songs and I still do. It's just different players up there now in my solo band. So it's still Static X. Tony just won't let me call it that. But the band is actually better now than Static X was because I got to choose who the best players I could find are. The band is just smoking right now. It's just on fire, man. It's awesome. So if if that's true, and I don't mean to throw a, a cat amongst the pigeons here, if that's true, is it slightly disingenuous seeing Tony Campos that's heavily involved with the Static X regeneration project? I don't I don't know, mate. Like I really am I, I think someone's death helps you kind of step back and be like, fuck, I was an asshole. Well, how can I best rectify this? Well, I've got to go get Wayne's music out there. You know what I mean? I've yeah. I've got the, I found the old demos. Like I can release these. I can go tour. I can make sure his music lives on. I can make sure the fans still have a place to talk about. Now we talked about in the straight up episode which is by far and away our most popular episode for some reason. Maybe Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Maybe uh, my sex story, you know, people, that's what they tune in for. Well, for your uh, erotic, eroticism <laughs> by Reese. <laughs> yeah, Big Reese erotic, erotica. <laughs> Big Reese erotica, like that. Yeah, we talked about it on that episode that there's a website where people can grieve on. People's Facebook pages become memorial pages, and I've had friends who pass away, and people still post on their wall saying, yeah, we miss you, we're thinking about you, it's cathartic. So I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not in a place to say well i mean that that connection between um static x and dope is one of the reasons why project regeneration volume one came out last year because edsel dope ended up being an executive producer for the record but one more thing i've got an interesting story that i find interesting fuck you guys if you don't find it interesting i had a friend staying over in shanghai and she was from australia and there was a rumor going a rumor started that this guy that we went to high school with had died in a car accident, and she was inconsolable. She was crying for the whole afternoon, and then then he got online and was like, no, guys, I'm fine. I don't know where this started from. And then she was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, are you going to reach out to him and let him know like how happy you are? She said, no, no, he's all right. I was like, wait, you were crying on my couch for about four hours? I was like, yeah, yeah, but no, he's good now. I don't think she's ever talked to him, like probably in the two years before that moment and the 12 years after that. So it's like, what were you crying about? Like what? What was it? Was it the idea that someone's family would would have an empty chair at the table? Was it? Was it someone that you knew passed away, and that reminds you that you're probably gonna probably spoiler alert gonna die one day? What is it? So I, I think it affects people in in different ways, and yeah, that's my that's my interesting story. Ten out of ten would 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 listen again. Great TED Talk there, Riggs. Great TED Talk. <laughs> I've got a clicker for that one. Are you going to leave a link where I can download the PowerPoint presentation for that? Just subscribe to my app. It's a $14.99 month fee. Fucking direct debit. Hopefully, hope you forget about it. Fucking hell, have you become Gary V all of a sudden? Before we just jump into a bit more Static X, let's just cleanse the palette a little bit. Now, you're not going to be happy with me with this week's sponsor. Why? Um, because I, I myself have sold out, uh, I am afraid, okay? I This, you know, is my main hustle, and then I thought I'd do a bit of a side hustle and be a, a spokesman for uh, just a fantastic shop for the regular person. Check it out. Hi, I'm Benji Jackson. Well, what you may not know is that I'm also reasonable. That's why I run Reasonable John's Card Shop for all your card collecting needs at a reasonable and honest price. Got an Anthony Hardaway rookie card? That's fantastic. I'm, I'm happy for you. But let's be reasonable for a minute. I'm not going to pay top dollar for that. You can help yourself to as much store credit as possible and I'm happy to do that. But naturally, within reason. We have all of your card collecting needs at reasonable prices. I say all, but it's Reasonable John's Card Shop. So we have a reasonable selection of all of your card needs, including X-Men, Upper Deck, NBA, not Major League Baseball because that is boring completely. Yes. Hey, 
I'm just being reasonable. There's nothing reasonable about sitting through nine innings of baseball. I just picked up Michael Jordan's rookie card I got off eBay. I got it real cheap. I'm going to take it to Reasonable John's card shop and get a reasonable price for it. Hey, hey, Benji, John, whatever you want to be called during this advert, what are you going to give me for this card? Uh, that's easy, my friend. Store credit at a reasonable price. Now, I'm this guy's father, and he has spent a lot of money into these bloody trading cards, and he told me that it's worth bloody money. So you're gonna bloody well tell me that this card is worth the bloody money that he's paid for, and you're gonna pay in cash. I don't know if you've read the sign outside, sir. This is Reasonable John's card shop, and I don't think you're being reasonable. And let's be reasonable. Is he really going to make money collecting cards all of his life or wouldn't you rather he go and have a reasonable practical job like a plumber or some form of tradesman? You make some reasonable points there, reasonable John slash Benji. Come on you dickhead, that's enough of you. You're going to join a footy team and you're going to just be a normal kid to stop collecting those things and making me and your mother argue. Why can't you be normal? Well. I don't think he was being reasonable with his son, do you? But here at Reasonable John's Card Shop, I can assure you, we're reasonable. I we didn't... also do pogs. <laughs> 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 Not so reasonable after all. Man, I didn't want children, but to introduce myself with, I'm this guy's father, I'm going to have as many kids as possible now, just so I can walk around with, I'm that kid's father. <laughs> I'm this guy's father. I am this guy's father. It would have been great if I didn't fuck up and remember it was reasonable John rather than regular John. But listen, listen to Queens of the Stone Age. We'll do it for you. Reese, Big Rigs, what's your issue with the fact that doing this podcast that everything's being lumped as new metal when in actual fact a lot of the music is incredibly varied? Because I would like to say that the new metal moniker was lazily used throughout the early 2000s just for any band that was in baggy jeans or, you know, wasn't classic rock. But what's your issue with it? So I've started researching a little bit of the Orgy uh, episode. We're going to do Orgy Candy House in a few a few weeks. So they're all friends. Like Orgy was friends with Korn, who were friends with Limp Bizkit, Deftones. St- uh, I don't know if Stain really hung out, but like... Snot were always hanging around. They were a scene that would have come up together. Yeah, the Family Values tour scene. Yeah, and so I think Limp Bizkit, for me, are the quintessential new metal band, you know? They, yeah. The rap, rock, hybrid, angry white dude, dumb, big dumb lyrics. That That is kind of what the template is. But you get bands who kind of were touring around that scene that might have attracted some of the same crowd, but they're really not new metal. So if you even go to the new metal subreddit page, have a look at the the albums they've got as their banner. There's so many different fucking styles that that it's not really uh, new metal. So is it aggressive, predominantly white male music that was released between 1999 and 2003? Is that really what it was? Taproot, I would consider new metal, but they don't really do the rap. No, but it's that. I mean, it's weird. Wikipedia, which is like the paragon of all knowledge, um, they describe the instrumentation of new metal music as heavily syncopated and based mostly on guitar riffs, mid-song bridges, and a general lack of guitar solos, which I would definitely say that's fair. I New metal has a distinct lack of guitar solos that maybe marks it away from thrash metal and stuff like that. Um, it, it, in its efforts, Corey Grow of Revolver has said, in its efforts to tune down and simplify riffs, new metal effectively drove a stake through the heart of the guitar solo. Another contrast with other heavy metal genres is new metal's emphasis on rhythm rather than complexity or mood. Often its rhythm sounds like that of groove metal. The wah pedal is occasionally featured in new metal music, and new metal guitar riffs are occasionally similar to those of death metal. So... Is it the is it the tone? Is it the musicianship? I mean, I can say that that's fair for some things, but 
I don't know. I just think how grunge in the nineties was used to label a lot of bands that played kind of more downbeat, somber. You know, production wise, it was kind of gritty, torn jeans, flannel shirts, that stereotype. Because it did feel towards the end, Reese, that new metal became more of a stereotype than it did an actual musical genre. And I would say it's unfair to say, for example, uh, some of the podcasts we've done, White Pony is not a new metal album. White Pony is an alternative metal album. Tool is not... I've been listening to a lot of Tool still. Tool is not a new metal album. It's an alternative metal album. Or I would go as far as to say a progressive metal album, you know? I'd say a religion, but each to their own. Oh, well, you know, they they are effectively the Pink Floyd of of metal. So, yeah, when I think new metal, I do think... I don't even think Incubus. I think Limp Bizkit. I, I think Korn. I do think early Deftones. But then are we just thinking that new metal is essentially rap rock? Because then why aren't Rage Against the Machine considered new metal? Because... Well, they basically start. Well, they were one of the proponents of rap rock. They weren't the originators because you go way back to Run DMC and Aerosmith for one of the first examples, or Public Enemy and Anthrax. So, combining rap music with heavy metal or rock riffs wasn't this new thing that new metal discovered. So, perhaps it is more the aesthetic that people concentrated on rather than the musicianship itself. Yeah. But we know that the media writes the narrative and they direct that and you can give the best interview of your life and they'll take a little bit, a grab or whatever. But also, you know the game and if you can write a really good press release that the the journalist is just like, oh, fuck, all right, cool, here's a copy paste, I don't have to do this, great. Then you can get a lot more press and I think you, you would have figured that out. I've definitely figured that out. If you can give them the amount of info that they need, they can just reword a little bit and then they put it up. So I, what I imagine is, it was easy for lazy journalists at the time, and then yeah. bands started to feed into it. And it's like, hey, look, we need to be clumped with something. We're definitely not pop. I remember doing interviews around like the 2006 with like some, you know, websites and whatever radio stations, and they would always ask like, what's your take on Australian Idol? What's your take on American oh, Idol? Is that real pop? And like, well, fuck, I guess not. So I guess we're against that. So I guess we're alternative rock with an edge it's like oh okay cool the questions were asked to set you down a certain path and i guess it's a snake eating its own tail you know it's yeah to, to a degree but I, I just i have an issue because this isn't new metal to me at all but it's, it's industrial. in with that yeah it's industrial evil evil disco sort of group evil metal. disco yeah and it's so not new metal that i think bon jovi ripped them off I think Bon Jovi. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Is this true? Okay. So listen to this. This is Ostelegation. I actually don't know what that means, but I think it's a new Bruce Willis movie. No, isn't that a place in Michigan? Oh, we're going to talk about Michigan in our game. All right. So this is just the intro for Ostelegation. What does that sound like? Well, it's my life by Bon Jovi, isn't it? Hundred percent. Listen to this. I've even put them together, man, just in case listeners weren't sure of it. Have a listen. Seen a song for the broken heart. It's the fucking same. Static X were touring this song. They released it a year before. Bon Jovi released this song. If you like Bon Jovi, you like Static X. That's blatant. That's even more blatant than WCW using uh, a, a blatant <laughs> ripoff of Love Dump. That was That's blown our listener, our dear friend Connor's mind. You can't believe that is legal. And I don't think it is. So you mentioned Michigan. Wayne was born in Michigan, yeah? Yep. But... This album, obviously named Wisconsin Death Trip, is uh, about a place in Wisconsin. Or it's about it's about Wisconsin. So, I've got some landmarks, some key landmarks. I'm going to ask you: Do you think they're in Wisconsin or yep. Michigan? Okay. Okay. Oh God! If my uh, friend Chris 
if I fuck this one up, there's gonna be an entire community that I know destroying me. This one's for Dharma Dogs. This one's for Dharma Dogs. Benji, world's largest six pack. Wisconsin. Correct. Well done. <clears throat> Organ Piper Pizza. Organ Piper Pizza. Yes. I don't know what that means. I looked this up a little while ago and I've forgotten. Uh, I'm going to say Wisconsin again. Oh my God. You're doing really well. What about the upside down White House? Uh, Michigan. Yes. Edison's last breath stored in a test tube. Oh my God. Edison, 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 Michigan. Fuck me. You're, you're four from four. Well done. The world's largest weather vane. I want to say Wisconsin again. Oh, mate. It's Michigan. Sorry, sorry. JFK's world's largest ball of twine. (laughs) Wisconsin. Well done. So, hear me out on this one. The hippie tree... Though its branches are painted bright colours by generations of locals, the tree is said to be a haunted portal to hell. Is that Michigan or Wisconsin? Fucking Michigan, eh? Yes, that is Miss Michigan. <laughs> Two more. Giant cow head. <laughs> and that is a standing that's standing guard of on top of an old vacant ice cream shop. Wisconsin. That's Michigan. Is it? Ah. Yeah. Because Wisconsin's home of the cheeseheads, so I thought a lot of the things that are food and drink related and twine just seems like a real Wisconsin Midwest kind of thing. Yep. Last one, mate. That's a dick move, man. That is a real dick move. I was like, like, I would love to get a recording of what my face looked like when you busted that out. Because when you said, when he went like that, I was like, wait, that's my fucking address. What the hell, man? <laughs> um, do you know why Wayne Static was obsessed with the idea of Otsego? Which is a place in... No, I have no idea. Um, it is because uh, he had a fake, or he found a fake ID to use because obviously drinking age is 21 in America and the fake ID said that he was from a place called Otsego and so it just stuck because that's how weird Wayne Static was and it was it, it was sad man like I I was a big big fan I still am a big big fan of Wayne Static from when he did his solo stuff and everything like that I even threw uh the Muzai Twitter account um shot uh put up a message just jokingly going you know like i've had uh little be the base god follow me all i need now is wayne static to follow me on twitter and I, and life is complete and he started following me and then mess and then sent a message or retweeted and then hit me up going ask and you shall receive and i was like i can just i can quit now i don't need to be a journalist anymore um and yeah and then not too long afterwards, um, fuck, he died. Yeah, it's it's really sad. I do want to do a PSA on this. Look, I don't... I Look, I am assuming how he passed away, and it, it's not great. No. But I think there is something to learn about this, because with my job, we have to do first aid course every, every fucking... Yeah, it feels like six weeks, but it's every year. And basically, the... Um, there's a real danger, and if you get fucked up on pills or booze or whatever, you're basically... Slowly making yourself unconscious, which is anesthetic. Yeah? yeah, you're just lowering yourself deeper and deeper into that state, and you you may get to a point where your body no longer registers, like it doesn't register a surgeon's scalpel going into your abdomen. It doesn't register that you vomited, and you're now choking on the vomit, and you do not wake up. So here's a PSA, and if this helps with anyone ever, like I need to say this: if if you see someone passed out at a party or whatever on the side of the street, roll them on their side so the vomit trickles out. Don't let them sit up. Don't let them sit on a couch. Fucking, it happens so much more often than people would realize. Yeah. So I'm not saying this is how Wayne passed away, and it's not great when we're talking about an amazing album to talk about someone's death like this, but I would feel sort of reckless if I didn't bring that up. If you see someone, and I've probably definitely walked past people like when I was like, 
17 at a house party be like that dude's fucked up it's like yeah push him on his side that's it he's gonna get vomit down he's fucking transparent independent singlet but it's fine like it's uh, what's the alternative here like he's already fucked out of his mind anyway who cares yeah 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 what's the lesser of two evils and 100% you know it's 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 sad because I mean he grew I mean by all accounts, Wayne grew up being a big fan of of Kiss and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, yeah. he, uh, I think he he maybe wanted to live up to that kind of the excess, and I, I don't know what what was going on with him uh, when Static X were doing weren't doing anything uh, when he was just doing his stuff with his with his wife. Um, I don't know if he was uh, addicted to oxycodone or anything like that. By some accounts, he he was going through some trouble with with drugs, which you you never want to hear. Kind of like someone you you admire, you kind of heroes going through that kind of thing. Um, it's just not worth it. It's just so many people have been lost in life through um this bullshit idea of rock and roll excess that it's like well. It's cool, but when does it stop being cool? Like, there's nothing cool about watching a fucking 46-year-old get drunk and roll around on stage. It's like, it's it's the same way that I feel about... When I first discovered Gigi Allen, it was like, this is fucking gnarly because it's weird. But now I look back and go, oh, he was just a fucking attention seeker you know it's just there's there's no need for that fucking rock and roll except same with what's his name seth putnam from anal cunt you know yes and yeah. we and they they kind of they, they glamorize this kind of like mavericks um but then are they or were they just fucking uh this might end up causing a bit of trouble uh, are they just fucking assholes mate that have that that backup idea of like we're rock and roll mavericks to compensate for the fact that they might be shitty human beings. Well, also I think it's quite easy to do. It's like, what are you? I'm the guy who pushes everything to the extreme. It's not, there's not much creative thought in that. So let's look at someone like Dave Grohl, who's had an esteemed career in music. It's like, cool. You're able to walk a very, very fine line and you're able to remain humble, I guess, but you're able to, to know, what's expected of you to rise above, to be creative, to also probably indulge that that's some real skill and some brains, you know? Oh, you got the guy from anal cum being extreme with, you know, two women in the studio with a syringe in his arm and tying yeah. off, you know, all that stuff. I do like anal cum's um, message to the sound guys, but it's like, you just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's, there's not much thought going into that. It's quite easy. I want to finish off with a message from our, one of our best listeners, Connor. And I want to keep this to the end because he sent this. I said, hey, Connor, we would love to hear your thoughts. He sent one in. He basically covered off everything we like talked about. It's incredible. He has a very, very similar thought to us. Would you like to hear it right now? Uh, I always love hearing from Connor as much as I love hearing from Tom. I was really surprised how, I, um, how well Wisconsin Death Trip held up for me. Uh, some of the albums Bach have looked at have not aged very well, like, you know, Cold Chamber and Disturbed. But Death Trip is still an effective album, I think. I really enjoyed revisiting it, actually. It's really lean and focused. It sort of just hits you in the ballsack, then leaves without outstaying its welcome. Static X definitely heard a few ministry tracks in their day, and um, they seem to have sort of applied that to the new metal rubric. Like, they're just sort of really focused on laying down one simple guitar track, layering it like... 10 or 15 times and creating a really dense solid up-tempo groove keeping it really robotic sounding and pacey and then just adding samples and electronics to make it sort of atmospheric and weird um push it is a great example it's a great opening track great first single it has a special kind of perfection that only very dumb songs can achieve if you added anything to it it becomes silly and boring but it's really tightly focused and that sort of applies to the whole album i think Another thing this album's definitely got going for it in retrospect, because I think because of that uh, sort of industrial type focus that they had, a lot of the daggiest tropes of the new metal stuff didn't make it onto this album at all. There's none of um, what I'm choosing to call the tortured homeboy ethos. 
fuck knows what Wayne was actually saying. Um, like, his voice is completely impenetrable. But he definitely wasn't writing the sort of softcock stuff that Ben Falls was pe- taking the piss out of in Rockin' the Suburbs, which is a great song and very relevant to this podcast, I think. There's been a couple of episodes of Bacho Death Trip now that have sort of just dis- talked at length about uh, how women are treated in the lyrics of these albums, which has been really great, um, really interesting, I think. And I think Wisconsin Death Trip is okay in that regard. In the time that he sort of really seems to definitely bring up a woman is um, in Love Dump which is where he talks about wanting to eat the shit of an unnamed woman. Probably should be a different kind of red flag, ladies. But it's not like he's he's not glorifying violence or anything like that. So oh, no. I think he There's probably nothing violent about it. eating shit. Um, by the way, Reese, remind me to tell you at the time that one of my uncles met his future wife in a pub and his opening line was, I could use your shit for toothpaste. Again, probably a different kind of red flag. Thanks to Benji's encouragement. I've decided the first video on my YouTube ASMR channel is going to be me reading the lyrics of Love Dump while crinkling a paper bag or something. My Overall, guy! My guy, Connor! Visit. Um, I don't know what happened to Static X after this one. Um, I didn't keep following them, but um, this was a really great debut and revisiting has been really fun. Thank you, Connor. Well, you know, my, my my wedding dance was to Love Dump, Connor. So, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah, there is. that's a really, really good point as well that he's made, is that there is there's nothing real... I mean, sonically it's aggressive, but there's, there doesn't seem to be much that's mean-spirited on Wisconsin Death Trip. I, I love the fact that Connor's also mentioned about it, about big dumb fun with big dumb riffs because why are the Ramones so popular you know there's there's nothing technically prominent about them but it's just fun 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 and that's what music needs to be at the end of the day uh, but yeah he, he's he's bang on about the ministry reference because Al Jorgensen ended up working with Static X uh, on the regeneration project as well so when you have someone that along with Trent Reznor and Skinny Puppy kind of invented or kind of brought industrial music to prominence and you've got him working with Static X you get the idea just how well loved Wayne Static was and how big of a character he was to a lot of people and at the end of the day you know it's really sad that, that he died because we lost a really really lovable weird weirdo drug abuse aside for a moment you know at peak wayne static was the weirdo that we loved that pissed off sharon osborne completely anyone that pisses off sharon osborne gets a gets a big big part in my heart I don't know that story. Let's can we finish on that? Yeah, we'll finish on that. So you can go on to YouTube and you can check out Static X unreleased VHS, uh, which is way better than Welcome to Our Neighborhood by uh, Slipknot, which is oh, something fuck that me. What isn't? still abhors to this day. Uh, and it was effectively the first. It was going to be Static X's kind of foray into uh, home video, which was the big thing at that stage, uh, and. They rose to prominence quite a lot doing the OzFest tour, so they used a, a fair whack of OzFest footage. Sharon Osbourne didn't like that because Sharon Osbourne wanted her cut of Static X. I believe Static X were like, well, no, we're, you're, you don't manage us. We're not affiliated with it. And so Sharon Osbourne and all of the OzFest organizers were like, you put that out and we'll hit you up with a lawsuit. We'll tie you up in litigation. But some kind soul has managed to find it and upload it onto YouTube, and it's 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 well worth visiting. In fact, I implore everyone after this episode to go out and just watch a whole bunch of Static X videos, uh, not just from Wisconsin Death Trip, but from from Machine, from Start a War, Shadow Zone, um, because it's brilliant. And just listening and watching those guys in full flow uh, it's just was incredible and the the album if you haven't guessed by now means so much to me and reese it's easily up there with our appreciation of everything you ever want to know about silence it's just a whole less misogynistic and a lot more accessible for everybody to check out
So next week, Benji, we are doing the Machine Head, The Burning Red, an album I don't know much about. Oh, God. Uh, you are a Machine Head man. You you love Machine Head. Yeah. Um, look, do I yeah. need to hear the first few albums to kind of place where they are in this? Because for me, not to go into the whole episode, it feels like they're going after the, the almighty, to quote Connor, tortured homeboy dollar on this one. And... They used to tour with Slayer, so what the fuck? Yeah, I mean that's that's going to be a really interesting one to to talk about. There's a there's quite a lot I could talk about the Burning Red about, but I would say um, check out. So do um, burn my eyes. Oh no, sorry. Do the more things change? Okay, which was shortly before the Burning Red. Do the more things change? Do the Burning Red. Do uh, Supercharger, so that trifecta, okay. okay, okay, where they went from, yeah, we're we're actually kind of like a thrash band. Now we're kind of like a thrashy new metal band. Now we've just gone all the way down the new metal route, and there are reasons why they went down that avenue that Rob Flynn's been quoted as saying. But you'll have to wait until the next episode to hear that one. 